listeners, and welcome to Monsters Advocate. Monsters Advocate is a bi-weekly podcast focused around the unsung heroes of myths and legends, the monsters. We'll take a look at some monster-centric myths and legends, some not-so-ancient cryptids, and everything in between, and try to sort out possible origin species, biological impetus for why they do what they do, and why we love to hear about them. Apologies in advance, dear listeners. I have an ear infection today, so if I sound a little off, it's because I cannot fully close my mouth. Anyway, sometimes we take things for granted. I'm sure you know that, as an informed listener, and try your best to appreciate the things around you, to look at them in a new light. But some things are difficult to appreciate, even when one is trying one's best to be grateful. Take, for example, grocery shopping. Now, if you've ever gone without food, you know what a luxury it is to be able to get as much food as you want. And if you try your best to source your food ethically, you probably have an idea as to how much effort it took to get the food you buy onto the shelves of a grocery store. But do you ever think about animal byproducts like ham? Now, before you get worried, I'm not advocating going vegan. But it is something of a miracle that you can just go and get a pound of ham at any place that sells meat. After all, like many animals we now consider farm animals, the pig wasn't always as it is today. In fact, the domestic pig, Sus scrofa domesticus, wasn't even domesticated until as late as 5,000 to 7,000 years ago. And the animals we as a species domesticated pigs from, well, they're not exactly pushovers. Attacks by wild boars, while rare, are not only often exceptionally injurious, but in many cases can prove to be fatal. Boars have four well-developed canine teeth, called tusks, and in males, these teeth never stop growing. Speaking of teeth, you might also be surprised to learn that boars also have rear teeth capable of crushing bone, which is not an accidental adaptation. Both boars and pigs are omnivores, and they will eat pretty much anything, including corpses, whether the animal was already dead or the pig themselves killed the creature in question. In fact, in April 2014, locals around the forest of Dean in Gloucestershire, England, reported that the local boar population had begun exhibiting a never-before-seen behavior for the area. Hunting in packs. Boars were documented forming hunting packs and would seek out newborn lambs in the area and surrounded them and trampled them to death before eating them with as many as five lambs being hunted down and slain in the area the weeks before the report. So it should come as no surprise that when it comes to monsters, boars are well represented. In Greek mythology, pretty much every mythic hero worth his salt tangled with a boar monster, with Hercules capturing the Arimanthian boar for one of his labors, Theseus slaying the wild Sophia and the tragic figure Odontus being slain by a boar and descending to the realm of Hades. In many Indo-European cultures, boars were thought to embody the virtues of a warrior, and so slaying one was thought to be proof of one's strength and courage. The Norse also thought this, and so to their god Freyr, the god of sacred kingship, virility, prosperity, and fertility, they gave a giant boar mount named Gullinbursti, or golden bristles. And before you ask, yes, he did literally have golden bristles that glowed in the dark. Obviously. What's special about boar-related monsters and creatures of uncertain alignment in mythology is that, 
For the most part, they aren't usually anything more complicated than just a really big boar. While lion-related monsters usually come spliced with another creature, such as a human, a dragon, or an eagle, and you've already heard me talk at length about all the combinations of bunny monster, in most cases, boar monsters are just... giant boars. Apparently, most cultures around the world took one look at a boar and said, yep, good enough, that thing is very scary. The only way it could be scarier would be if it was, like, really big. Which is, of course, not to say that there aren't exceptions. One really great addition to the giant boar monster comes from a 9th century legend from Britain called Kilhuan Olwen, which is set in the same universe as the legends of King Arthur. In this legend, a man named Kilhu seeks to marry Olwen, the daughter of a giant named Spadaden. Spadaden says, Of course you can marry my daughter. I just need a little favor beforehand. You see, being a giant, even simple tasks like getting big enough tools to give himself a haircut could be a challenge. So, before marrying his daughter, Spadaden only asks Kilhu to bring him a comb, a razor, and scissors. The only problem? The particular set of grooming implements this giant wants can only be found in one place. Between the ears of a monstrous boar called Tertroith. Now, okay, you're probably thinking, a boar with hair care tools between its ears. Interesting. But is it interesting enough to merit its own section? Well, if that was all Troith was, maybe not. But possessing barber mainstays between his ears is actually the least interesting thing about this monster. You see, Tertroith is actually the son of a prince named Tared. Troith was cursed into the form of a wild creature by an unspecified magic user. And in a weird 9th century PSA about getting turned into animals, Tertroith never gets turned back into a human, and no one ever even tries to break his curse. That's okay though, because as far as animal transformation goes, Troith actually gets a pretty good one. In addition to being a giant boar, he also acquires a mane of real silver, like a knockoff Gullen Brusty. Oh, and he also gets poisonous bristles that cover his entire body. Basically, Tertroith is like the Beast from Beauty and the Beast, but with zero heroines coming to save him, full body poison armor, and several hair care products inexplicably nested between his ears. What tickles me especially about this monster is, of course, the poison bristles, but also the completely accidental amount of sense they make biologically. You see, pigs are one of four known mammalian species to evolve a mutation in the nicotinic acetylcholine receptor which actually makes them somewhat immune to snake venom. Mongooses, hedgehogs, honey badgers, and pigs all evolve this independently. But more importantly, I like to think that the magic user just really wanted to add poison lace bristles to a creature, but not have it immediately die if the bristles accidentally pricked them. A less monstrous but still wonderful take on the pig monster is the squarely neutral evil-aligned Babiangpet. Babiangpet is a boar demon from Indonesian mythology. Unlike most boar demons, Babiangpet is actually a big fan of humans. Specifically, it's a big fan of other people's belongings, which it steals. 
The Babiang pet is one of those creatures that sits squarely in the class of shapeshifter, but unlike werewolves, one generally only becomes a Babiang pet by choice. That's because a person who practices Sugihan Babi, a division of black magic, is doing so with the express purpose of becoming rich by whatever means necessary. Indonesian black magic follows the rule of equivalent exchange, so in order to become instantly wealthy, Sugihan Babi users must sacrifice something of great value in return. In this case, the Babiang pet sacrifices their own humanity, becoming a boar or becoming possessed by a boar demon for a brief period of time. The magic user then goes around in boar form, making their money by sneaking into the village as a boar at night, scratching themselves against the doors, walls, and even furniture of other villagers. This act of scratching themselves against the homes of other villagers transports the wealth and valuables of their neighbors into the Babiang pet's fur, vis-a-vis -vis magic, and when the black magic user returns to human form, their robes are filled with stolen wealth and valuables, allowing them to sneak away with their neighbor's goods with their neighbors being none the wiser. Like any good heist, though, the Babiang pet needs a man on the inside. Users who turn into demon boars to rob their neighbors need an assistant to stay at home and perform a particular task to ensure the safe return of the Babiang pet. The assistant is charged with guarding a lit candle floating in a basin of water while the Babiang pet is out stealing. If the candle flame is shaking, fading, or almost out, the Babiang pet is either in danger, has been caught by their neighbors, or is returning to human form, and the assistant's job is to bail the shapeshifter out if they're ever in scenario one or two. This association with boars and wealth in Javanese culture doesn't always have to involve black magic, though. In fact, Pre-Islamic and pre-Hindu Buddhist beliefs in the area have long positively associated the boar with domestic wealth, so much so that the Indonesian word for savings or bank is selengan, which translates literally to likeness of a wild boar. Now, any episode about pigs would be bereft if I didn't at least in passing mention two of the most famous humanoids associated with pigs, Jimmy Squarefoot and the Hawaiian demigod Kamapua. I'll start with Jimmy Squarefoot, but only because I know so unsettlingly little about this creature that I actually can't say more than a few words about him. Jimmy Squarefoot is a bipedal, pig-headed creature from the folklore of the Isle of Man, the same island that brought us Jeff, the eighth wonder of the world. Jimmy is generally described as being a large creature with two tusks like a boar and wide, square-shaped feet that he keeps perpetually covered by wrapping them in cloth. He is thought to have originally been the boar mount of one of the race of stone-throwing giants that used to inhabit the island, but through some circumstances he became semi-human, and left the race of giants to make his own way, and now wanders the island seemingly aimlessly. He doesn't seem to have any desire to become more human or more pig than he already is, and he's generally thought to be a peaceful traveler. And that's all I know. Best of luck, Jimmy. Now, Kamapua is a different story. Kamapua, which translates to hog child, is a literal hogman associated with the Hawaiian god of agriculture Lono. His story is one of those myths that would make a great movie, as Kamapua is best known for two things, being shamelessly self-indulgent, looking for all the best life has to offer in terms of romance and adventure, and for his romantic exploits with Pele, the goddess of fire, lightning, wind, and volcanoes. 
Yeah, Kamapua is a go-big-or-go-home kind of guy. Despite being very clearly described as a hogman, it is actually somewhat unclear just how hog-like Kamapua was. He is often described as very attractive, and he has numerous romantic conquests, which I feel might be made more difficult if he was similar to Jimmy Squarefoot in appearance. It's worth pointing out that Kamapua was also a shapeshifter, being able to turn into a kukui tree, a hog, and a fish. So it's probable that he could just turn the pig features off and on as he wished. Kamapua's most famous stories involve fighting and pigs. His relationship with Pele is alternatively described as the relationship of enemies and the relationship of lovers. It all starts when Kamapua goes to the house of Pele and her sisters, in the form of a handsome man to try to impress them. Pele's sisters are suitably impressed, but Pele sees through the transformation and calls Kamapua a pig. Insulted for some reason despite actually being part pig, Kamapua insults Pele in return, and pretty soon they're throwing insults at each other, and Pele starts throwing fire. The resulting clash leaves hogs and scorched earth all across Maui, but Kamapua wins when he brings his sister Makahanaloa into it, because she can control rain and fog. And she puts out the fires. Ostensibly to help her brother, but realistically probably to stop the two from destroying the whole island. Kamapua grabs a burned stick, and, like in a bad sitcom about roommates, draws a line across the island, dividing it in half. One half for him, one half for Pele. The two eventually get together and have a daughter, but not before Kamapua spends some quality alone time as a fish. A classic love story. Our last creature is a cryptid from England. The English really like using the beast of for their cryptids, and the Beast of Dean is no exception. The Beast of Dean, colloquially known as Moosepig, was a creature that was thought to have lived in the forest of Dean in Gloucestershire, England in 1802. The beast was reported as being abnormally large, and it was held responsible for crushing fences, hedges, and even going so far as toppling trees around the nearby village of Parkend. Farmers got so furious with the damage caused by the beast that they actually organized a hunting party, but they were unable to find the creature. It's worth noting that at this time in England, wild hogs were totally extinct. It's also worth noting that this is the same area of England, the area of the Forest of Dean, that packs of hogs were reported to be actively hunting newborn lambs in 2014. Food for thought. That's it for hogs this week. If you liked this episode, feel free to go rooting through the show notes for more truffles of information. Intro and outro music, as well as musical score, are done by local swine herder Scott Ethington. Wallow in more of his music at Bazooka Raccoon on SoundCloud.com. Finally, if you like what you heard, please, please, please rate and review us on iTunes, or consider donating to our Patreon. Every little bit helps, and more support means I'm more motivated to do the best job I can to bring you more monsters. Thank you for listening, and remember, anyone can be a monster. <laughs>